Hello and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast. I'm Logan Finney. Lawmakers on the House Judiciary Rules and Administration Committee debated a bill on fentanyl and mandatory minimum prison sentences for drug trafficking this week. I'm joined by Senator Todd Lakey, who is a sponsor of the bill and the Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman, to talk about fentanyl and mandatory minimums. Thanks for joining me. Logan, thanks for the opportunity. Happy to be here. So Senator Lakey, can you give me the elevator pitch of this bill, what you guys are trying to address here? We all know that that fentanyl is a huge problem. Um, It's increasing in its frequency. Um, Last, at at the hearing, we heard that uh, seizures for fentanyl increased from uh, from 2020 to 2023, 2,680%. And fentanyl is the most lethal thing, you know, that we have out there. Uh, Two milligrams is a potentially lethal dose. And the, the deaths in Idaho are rapidly increasing. Uh, it's, a, it's a drug that is less expensive um, to manufacture and is um, very addictive, uh, but also very lethal. And we're trying to address that problem. And I think part of the problem that we have is we have mandatory minimum sentences for trafficking in meth, heroin, and cocaine, and even large quantities of marijuana in Idaho and we don't have them for fentanyl. And fentanyl is, like I said, 100 times more lethal than heroin. And the reason I think it's proliferating, or part of the reason it's proliferating, I should say, so rapidly, is that we don't have that deterrent in place like we have for other drugs. Um, We have drug dealers, law enforcement has drug dealers on tape saying they won't do business in Idaho because of our mandatory minimum sentences. They're aware of that. They don't want those consequences. They avoid Idaho. But right now, there's none for fentanyl. So the most deadly drug that we have out there has no deterrent, no similar deterrent. And I think that's part of the reason it's proliferating so rapidly, because it's safer and easier for drug dealers to deal in that compared to heroin or cocaine or meth. And I have a question about the, um, when it comes to the mandatory minimums, they're for a charge that's called drug trafficking. You don't get a mandatory minimum just for possession of the drug, um, but the trafficking charges are based on the quantity of drug that you do possess. So can you kind of explain for me how this, how the statute is set up? Sure. So we have, there's two ways to approach that. We have the possession with intent to deliver, and there's no quantity for that charge. So if you can show that somebody did a drug deal for five pills, for example, um, then, and you can prove that, that's, um, there's an intent to deliver, you, you have them on tape or whatever to do the, the deal, and they are punished under that statute. In Idaho, we've made a policy to say, if you are in possession and, and transporting a certain quantity that is so large, there's no question you're involved in the dealing of drugs or the trafficking of drugs, then the intent we have to show is that you knowingly possess that. You, you knew you were transporting fentanyl, uh, but we don't have to show the intent to deliver. The intent to deliver comes in the large dealer quantity that they're carrying. So it makes it harder for drug dealers to do business. Um, it's uh, a different burden of proof because of the fact they're carrying such large quantities. Thanks for clearing that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the language in the fentanyl bill that's being considered is about mixtures that contain fentanyl, not just pure fentanyl itself. Um, and that is language that is in some of the other mandatory minimums for the other substances. 
Um, one of the criticisms or perhaps concerns about this legislation is if you end up with someone who has, say, an ounce of marijuana that they purchased somewhere and it ends up having fentanyl in it, they could be charged with having an ounce of fentanyl rather than something that's that's traced with fentanyl. You're, you're aware of these arguments. What, what from the law enforcement and on the ground angle, what's the approach to these cases that you and law enforcement have been reassuring people that that's not going to be the case? Sure. So we start out with the the basis that we have to have that mixture language. Um, 49 states have it. We have that same language for meth, for cocaine, and for heroin. And we have that language because the drug dealers take that pure substance and they cut it or mix it with other powders um, so they can sell more of it. They sell individual doses. Um, and that's the way they do business. So we have to have that mixture language that says, yes, we that's the way they do business. They, they cut it and break it down into smaller individual doses and sell it. Um, and that's the way they do business. So we're, we're attacking that uh, method of doing business. So it's not new language. That was part of the argument was, where did this language come from? Now, what's, it's the same exact language we have for the other dangerous drugs. Um, there were those that argued, boy, what about uh, marijuana that um, has fentanyl in it? And you can come up with some extreme, unrealistic examples, but that's, that, that, that shouldn't carry the day. In this case, I've talked with law enforcement. Uh, they're not seeing that. Uh, our state lab is not seeing that. They've talked to their uh, counterparts nationally. They're not seeing that. Um, and from an economic standpoint, it doesn't make sense. You know, marijuana is cheaper than other drugs, and you wouldn't mix a more expensive drug with a cheaper product so you can sell it for less. Um, so they take the fentanyl and they cut it with other things and they sell it as fentanyl, or they cut it with other things and they 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 misrepresent what it is. You see a lot of that. They, they Pass say it off as some sort of oxycodone or um, cocaine or some other drug, and that's where you get a lot of the deaths. Is somebody thinks they're buying something else and it's fentanyl and it kills them. Well, that's, that's a perfect transition to my next question, because this, this mix mixture language exists for the other drugs, but something that's new in the bill is a statute for a drug-induced homicide charge. Um, can you explain to me how that would work? Sure. So we included that. Again, um, we take a strong policy position in Idaho that um, we don't make it easier for drug dealers um, here. We want to send that strong message. And I think, um, as I visited with the prosecutors, 25 other states have a drug-induced homicide uh, provision. So we're not reinventing the wheel here, but what we're doing is saying if someone um, violates the law in drug trafficking or possession with intent to deliver and the drugs that they sold that person kill them, um, then they can be charged with homicide. It's not first-degree murder, it's, it's homicide. Um, and we think it's important that drug dealers be responsible, especially with something like fentanyl that 70% um, of the pills have a potentially lethal dose in them now that they've looked at them. Um, the cartel's business model plans on 30% of their clients dying. Um, so that's a, that's a, a reality we have to deal with. Um, we did incorporate judicial discretion into that portion. So the, the trafficking portion itself carries the mandatory minimum sentence. The, the drug 
um, comes with that sentence based on that dealer quantity, mm -hmm. and the judge can impose more. But in the drug-induced homicide section, um, there's discretion. So the judge, uh, it's an indeterminate life, which is a maximum sentence. So the judge, in theory, in the right case, um, could say, well, okay, you have no jail time, or 30 days, or a year, or two years, or five years, with an um, indeterminate life sentence on top of that, which may or may not ever happen. But um, it's important to have that provision there, I think, to send that message that these drugs kill people and you should be held accountable for it. I will say, as a former prosecutor, it's probably challenging to prove. That's um, some of the concerns we heard in committee, yeah. yeah. So that's okay, you know, um, it should be a challenge to prove, but I think it's important that we have it. And the, um, the drug-induced homicide statute, if it was passed, is that written only to cover fentanyl or does that cover other substances as well? Um, I believe it covers the other substances as well. So the, the ones in the mandatory minimum mm -hmm. statutes? Yep. What's the path forward for this bill? As, as we're talking, um, it is Wednesday the 24th, so the bill is headed to the House floor, hasn't been picked up yet. Um, this legislation has 36 or 37 Republican co-sponsors in the House, which is a majority, um, so it's safe to assume it's gonna make it over to the Senate side. What's your plan as Judiciary Chair as far as hearings and testimony and schedule? So we'll hear it, um, I think, expeditiously over here. Um, yeah, I think that co-sponsor list is reflective of the broad support that exists for the bill. Um, we have had law enforcement pleading with us uh, unanim you know, unanimously. All of the different groups involved in the law enforcement community support it. We've had mayors and county commissioners um, asking for it. There's broad support. Um, polling, we've even done polling, and 86% of Idahoans um, say we need to have mandatory minimum sentences for trafficking in fentanyl. Um, so I think that broad support helps, and that's what we built up over time. You know, it, it stalled in committee last year, mm -hmm. and um, it's moving forward this year. I think people are understanding more and more about it, and the fact that it's becoming more and more of a problem, and the lethality of it. So I hope um, that it goes through strongly in the House, and I hope we have the same result here in the Senate. Is there anything different between last year's version and this year's version that would account for that change in support in the House, or is that just there's been some more time and lawmakers have had more time to look into it? Um, I think it's just time um, and more opportunity to educate. I know a lot of lawmakers were talking to their local law enforcement and their community leaders in the interim um, about this bill because there's been a lot of discussion about it. I think they've learned more about it. They've had some of their questions answered. Um, we even helped answer some of those questions in the hearings. So I think it's really more about time. I, if I recall correctly, I think the um, quantities are different than the quantities we had last year. They're a little bit higher in this bill. And we're also approaching it just as fentanyl um, this year, where last year it was mixed in the section with the other drugs. and you can have some discussions about those, particularly heroin and that quantity and, and whether that's a dealer quantity or not. Um, we wanted to remove that, just focus purely on fentanyl, which is the problem, and, and you know, tackle other issues separately. Sure, so that's just keeping the statutes clean. Yep. Um, one final question for you. In their deliberations on, on the House Committee, some of the lawmakers acknowledged that you guys are getting a lot of pressure on both sides of this issue and it is an election year. How much does that um, color the debate that you guys are having? You know, it's hard to say. You know, 
um, election years, sometimes people pay attention to different things. Um, I just try to focus on issues that are important. Um, and this is something that, uh, as I mentioned, that's built up momentum over time because the problem keeps growing and growing. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm in favor of it, obviously, and I've been a proponent and carry the bill. And my hope is that um, lawmakers see that their constituents support it. And I'm sure that people are aware of what their constituents want. You know, when they have an election, that's natural. But um, I think it's really about the merits of the bill and the need for it in Idaho. All right. Senator Todd Lakeith, sponsor of House Bill 406, Republican from Nampa, Chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Thanks so much for your time today. Logan, thank you for the opportunity. Enjoy visiting. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.